So when you walk into the classical garden, you're actually walking on the gravel path that's part of the garden. When you walk in, in Alfresco, you're walking on the cobbled street or the pavement. When you walk in on the town square, you're taking steps down from Alfresco into the town square. So there are these strong connections, but there's an individuality about all the gardens. Everything in those show gardens is convertible to a domestic space. Hi, I'm Melanie Walker and this is Grounded. If gardening is your passion, this is the place to be to find out about what's happening in the gardening world. And welcome to it. Yes, Mel and Mike are going to Paris. In fact, we're in Paris, not Paris. Paris. Yeah, but there is a there is an Eiffel Tower down there, isn't there? There is, yeah. And and if you go into some of the little shops and things there, you get little Paris mementos with a little Eiffel Tower on it. So I love it. I love the the obsession with with French culture. I mean, I have children who want to go and live in France at the moment to check out the light and the art and become art curators and stuff like that. I wonder why the French have got such a a hold on people. I mean, if you go out to Hartebeersburg, of course, there's also what's it called, um, French toast, where they've got also a Arc de Triomphe, haven't they? Yes, and they've got the little bridge where everybody can go and put their padlocks on. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, so yeah, there's all yeah. of these wonderful things. Is that why, I ask you, Michael Rickoff? I don't know. what I, I think it's partially the history of the place, and that applies as well to Italy, I suppose. You could mm. say the same thing about Italy and Venice. And, you know, um, The gardens in Venice are something else, I tell yeah. you. And, you and float the, around there and look at stuff, and you're like, how are they managing to grow gardens in this area? That's I've phenomenal. just read a huge book on Marco Polo. It's a massive thing. Marco? Yeah, Marco. <laughs> and, and it's quite amazing. Um, so, some of the stuff stemmed from his travels and what he mm. brought back and things like that. But, you know, getting back to the whole French thing, mm. I think that because there's so many cultural things attached to France, and, I mean, it's, it's not just what you see. It's not just the city itself. It's not the iconic Eiffel Tower, for instance. Mm. It's the food. The it's canals. The language. Mm. It's it's. I mean, when you think about it, there's all sorts of things. And Où est le boulangerie? <laughs> As they <laughs> all say. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's also. I mean, for those people who do have Netflix, of course. I mean, there's two absolutely amazing series with the same guy, Monty Don, who did the Around the World in Eighty Gardens, which was. I mean, I I enjoyed that series so much when I, I think it was out in BBC Prime or BBC Home or one mm. of those things. I went and bought the box set of eight CDs. I mean DVDs because it was so amazing. And he's back on Netflix. Doing doing Monty Don's French gardens and Monty Don's Italian gardens, four in the Italian and three in the French. And you can understand where the history of gardening came from, because I think those are the two places where it, it really started. Well, yeah, it, it really did. If you go if you go far back enough, and, and I just did a little bit of research on a thing called topiary, <laughs> and that sounds crazy, why do you just research topiary? Mm. Um, I was interested to know, you know, how far back do we go with clipping of hedges and clipping of shaped shrubs and things? And it goes as far back as ancient Rome, <laughs> funnily enough. And it disappeared in the Dark Ages mm. and re-emerged in the Renaissance in Italy. And and I think this is where you could almost say this is where modern gardening has its roots. Um, excuse also, the pun. You, you had know. the people in the Far East, you know, the Japanese yeah. and Chinese who were doing all of their bonsais with like from thousands of years. Totally back different as well. influence, but, yeah. but a, a, and almost a totally different concept. But yeah, you were, you had to topiarize and you had to miniaturize and, and all sorts of things. And you Man's had mastery over nature. Man's and, and you, you men know, are so controlling. 
I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I, I mean, like, come on. That never became people, did it? It always stayed men. <laughs> but it was. It was men used to do that. Men were the people who set up these gardens. I mean, it was the kings and the counts. I mean, that's one thing I found from um, the French garden that, oh, if you were the king, you had to have the best garden in the world, which is where Versailles came from. Because then one of these other guys came and put this beautiful garden in and he got sent to jail because his garden was nicer than the king's. Yeah, which which is, is strange because the Versailles Garden, I mean, what remains of the Versailles Garden is a, is a quarter of what it used to be. Mm. It used to be much bigger, and that, that is a huge landscape. But it was. I mean, it took a while for the Renaissance to catch on in, in France, and it was only because Italy invaded France at some point. But it was at that point that, that gardening became this big thing in France on a totally different scale because in Italy you had the height of the garden, and so you could have grandeur in height. But in France... In most places, you didn't. You had these flat spaces. Mm. And so you had to have this wide open, see from the top, potier top garden that borrowed landscape from all over the place, including forests. <laughs> you know, so. But it's very interesting, though, that people will sit there and think formal gardens, England. They don't think of it as actually arising from Italy and then France. It took such a long time for formal gardens to get to England. To England. But yeah. I mean, those are like the ones that people will immediately think of oh, Hampton Court. One of those kind of places. And you know. Lancelot, Lancelot capability blind actually hated formal gardens and he went more and for he the, went woodlands into the, whole, the, the woodlands. Yeah. Spaces, so, yeah. Oh, he was fantastic. But yeah, so I mean, that's where it all the, the modern gardening came from, was out of the Renaissance. For, for I think so. I think what people don't realize is, you know, you'll hear people say things like, I really hate formal gardens, they're so sterile and things. But you know, I, I agree with that. Okay, but the formal garden is essentially the essence of all the gardening we do, whether it's informal, contemporary, it doesn't matter. It, but it, hang on, I mean, is it relevant in this day and age, considering everybody's going back to much more naturalistic and like yeah. less time-consuming gardening? Why would a formal garden still actually be kind of relevant in this day and age? I think formal gardens will remain relevant. And you have, you've had periods in time where, where formal gardens, I mean, you, you don't have the grand formal gardens of the past as you mm. have anymore, but you have formal elements and you have formal structure. So sometimes even though you think you might have a natural garden, you'll find formality in there somewhere, even if it's just in some part of the garden where there's geometry. You might have a sundial in the middle of a veggie garden that sort of has radiations coming from it. And that's formal gardening. Mm. So it has, it has deeply affected us. It's deeply in our gardening psyche. And I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's going to stay there. Most contemporary gardens of formal gardens that are just simpler and more minimalist than, mm. than the old formal gardens used to be. But they're very, very high maintenance. They are. You know, I'll tell you why we've gone for the, the look we've gone for in show gardens this year. Is and that's why we're actually talking about this. I'm hammering Michael yeah. about whether, you know, there is place for a formal garden in this, especially, te I mean, obviously teaching people about formal gardens yeah. is a good thing because you need to know where it comes from. And I mean, we've covered this quite, I think, adequately and almost adequately on Gardening 101 on yeah. on. Uh, TV. It helps to be able to understand your space, but busy lifestyles. I mean, why would you have gone? Now you can explain about the teaching of students and how students bring their ideas to the paper and thereby into actually making show gardens themselves, which are honored lifestyle, by the way. <laughs> lifestyle home garden in Rand Park Red. Why, why would you still be getting a formal garden going? Is there now a, a resurgence of people who are interested in having hedges and topiaries? Well, yeah, you know, strangely enough, topiaries are quite popular these days, and a lot of people. You know, we can we can talk about someone like avant garde, like Dermot Gavin, for instance, who will do a grass Dermot garden with his big balls, and you'll and you'll have topiaries, you know, nestled inside of all these natural grasses, and mm. it's very sexy. And I'm, and I mean, I don't think topiaries are unsexy. I think they're fantastic. It's just the way we use them. You don't have to have five thousand of them. And I think the whole maintenance bent on topiaries has been taken totally way out of context. 
because once you've got your topiary shaped and your topiaries actually started to grow, it really is just a small maintenance issue. It's an occasional clipping. Mm. And we're finding that in show gardens this year, we have lots and lots of hedges and topiaries, and we're going to discuss why. And we're finding that just to maintain the look of the gardens, it requires 10 or 15 minutes every second or third day just to go in and clip a couple of you know wayward twigs off. Mm. So it's not as high maintenance as people think. It's just, it's really just been given a bad rep, <laughs> quite honestly, over time. Yeah, it's not as low maintenance as maybe a succulent garden would be, but you know what? Some people still go for a certain look. Mm. And hedges and toperies are selling very, very well in contemporary spaces, you know, where you've, you've just got, you've, you've, maybe you've just got a strong hedge in a geometric space in, in, a, in a very minimalist garden. That hedge has its place and it's part of the structure of the garden. And I think you were talking about space. Mm. The one thing that formal gardens teaches you how to do is manage your space properly. And we all know about, if you're a designer, you know about the thing called modulation, where you go and you modulate your garden into partitions. Now, modulation works for anything, but it has its roots in the geometry of formal gardens, mm. where you had your garden divided up in sympathy with the geometry and architecture of your garden of your house and and that's a discipline that we all need to keep top of mind because even if i'm doing an informal garden i still want those lines to say something to my architecture oh absolutely so the the thinking behind this year's show gardens okay it was seeing as you you kind of like <laughs> are, are the divine one that makes sure that everything happens <laughs> well, thanks for that. But <laughs> the, the students make it happen. I just crack the whip. <laughs> but we were approached by some a representative from of the French embassy who said, "Look, this year's will celebrate or see the 500th year anniversary, if you like, of the Renaissance in France." Mm. So it's been a long time, hasn't it? Mm. And and they said they'd like us to do something in the garden, in the whole of the show garden. Could we do one of the gardens as a French garden, and could it be a classical garden? And you know, it's quite amazing. You can still get lots of classical stuff for gardens. People still like them and we even used a classical thing in a jungle garden once upon yes. a time so it can happen and we said you know having the discussion what came out of it is i said to them well why don't we just make the whole thing french orientated mm. in other words we start off with a classical french garden and, and from that we say this is what it's become today in france and it was a great exercise it was a lot of fun doing it because you know we were able to sort of spread our creative wings a little bit and say yeah if you start off with this how, what, what did it lead to what did mm. it knock on to and one of the things that you always before as well and what went before and we were able to even sort of introduce a couple of little, you know, we, we like to say that every garden has a little twist to it. So it's not just traditional. Now, within all of those gardens, you're going to see something new and fresh anyway. Because, you know, we always like to sort of stretch the envelope a little bit on creativity and, and ideas for people. And, and we, we always encourage people, don't come in and say, I hate the garden or I love the garden. Look at elements in the garden mm. and love those or don't like them or whatever the case may be. But as you know, Mel, one of the things that was attached to these classical gardens is a potager. Yes. And traditionally, potages, they, they could lead off the grandest of gardens and become these little intimate spaces. Well, one of them on the Monty Don's uh, French gardens, I mean, was all about food yeah. and the food gardens of France. And I mean, the one, they don't even use the food from the garden. It's this huge thing. And they replace stuff and throw it out just so that it looks absolutely perfect. It's a totally formal potager. They just look after it, yeah. Yeah. And, and what we did is we went for a potager with a little bit more interest. So it's got a, a few more modern lines perhaps in it. So we play with diagonals a little bit and it's not the traditional axial, uh, as, if you like, kind of potager. Mm. But it still has that traditional feel to it in terms of saying it's grand, even though it's in a small space. When you walk in it, you feel that there's some grandeur attached to it. And it's coming straight off of this grand axial formal French garden. Mm. Um, so we were able to play with that. We were able to play with a Provence garden as well and put a little twist to that one. But that's, yeah. that's what I think people immediately start thinking of when they think France. They think those fields of lavender stretching yeah. away into the distance through those wonderful farming areas and the sunflowers that come up 
as well at certain times of the year. I think that's where it all pretty much started. And if you think about the paucity of plant material that they had in Europe at that time, because of course at that stage they hadn't been to South America yet and brought back all of these wonderful that was foods more and plants. Victorian, yeah. yeah, it was during the Victorian era when all of this stuff came back. They, I mean, lavender was one of the things that was available. And how amazing the are those fields? Exactly. The whole Mediterranean vibe yeah. that was going on. Yeah, and, and this is strange that you say that it just reminds you, the Provence would just remind you of France, because what else reminds you of France? Um, what about street scenes? Yes. Um, what about alfresco dining? Yes. Um, you know, what about if you even look at some of the French comedy programs, like I don't know if you ever watched Hello, Hello. Hello, Hello. <laughs> there's a town, the Second World War. There's yeah. a town square in that thing which inspired this garden because yes. because I've seen it so many times and I thought I would love to recreate that little French town square because it had such a nice feel to it. And we did. And it's a sunken town square leading off of an alfresco dining area. We've even been inspired by the French Alps. And when you look at them, you don't see the French Alps there at all. But we talk about triggers and we talk yes. about, you know, what is going to make a succulent garden different this year? And, and what inspired the succulent garden is let's go for just sheer height mm. in the garden. So some of them were, were replicating, okay, this would look like a French space. And some of them were saying, no, this is just inspired by something that the French mm. space triggered in us. People are not getting the baobab forests. And obviously, I mean, these are show gardens. So if you are going to plant baobabs in your garden, yeah, just remember careful. how big they get and yeah. don't plant too many of them together. But it does give you that height and the look that you were looking for. Especially if you walk in it. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And I've seen so many people who have been totally excited whenever I go around the gardens that they're so excited by that with the boulders which seem to be floating mid-air yeah we're, we're connected by rope yes um, so and, and people I, I heard a child saying to her mother uh, once ma look how strong those ropes are <laughs> holding up those boulders so it's nice to con people a bit like that and get a little bit of pleasure out of it but yeah. I heard somebody say, that's terrible, I hate those. Mm. And I thought to myself, good, at least I got a reaction out of you. And I think as landscapers, that's all we're trying to do. Uh, Dermot Gavin's got the same mentality. He doesn't mind if you love or hate it, but did you pay attention to it? As long as it gets some kind of reaction, they are just absolutely beautiful. And I've been walking through them and I watched them being grown and designed right from the very beginning and seen how it all has come together. And what I like is the encapsulation. Okay, mm. I can actually see the gardens as a garden. And I think a lot of people, we talk about how people have a reaction to something. If you have a, a space which is quite big and it just flows from one style into another, people can't visualize what it would look like in their own space. So you need to put it into a little box, which you've brought back pretty much this year, of boxing it in so you can see, oh, that would look quite nice in my house. And you've given them little vignettes. Now, the, the one that I love, totally love, is the little um, cafe the alfresco the with yeah. the, the grapevines and the little bubblers and the cobbled street. And I can imagine that I'm sitting on a pavement somewhere in Paris where they have the plat de jour. So you're only getting like, that's it. That's what we've got on the menu today. That's what you eat. And you can walk up and down the road and say, oh, I like the look of that. And then you go there, you have your starter, your main and your dessert while you drink some fantastic red wine. And it just gives you that feeling there. So how do people go about, I mean, they can look at that show garden and think, okay, I like that, but how would it be relevant to what I have at home? First of all, it's a bit of a yes and no thing in terms of saying we've created the boxes again because we haven't and yet we haven't because, first of all, there's no public path mm. in show gardens. So that's the first big thing we've done this year. We have a, a smaller space, but it's bigger when you stand in it in the sense that we've created a different feel for the space. So when you're in the garden, you're in it. You're never out of the garden. Mm. 
So when you walk into the classical garden, you're actually walking on the gravel path that's part of the garden. When you walk in, in Alfresco, you're walking on the cobbled street or the pavement. When you walk in on the town square, you're taking steps down from Alfresco into the town square. So there are these strong connections, but there's an individuality about all the gardens. And I think if you can just go into the Alfresco space and say to yourself, I could have a patio and put these cobbles down on the patio and take one of those tables and chairs and a grapevine on trellis, and I could replicate this very easily in my home. Mm. so that I could get that feel. We're saying that everything in the show gardens is convertible to a domestic space. So we've used Alfresco, for instance, as an inspiration, and it's been a good exercise because if you think domestic space, you're going to create domestically. If you think broader than that, you're going to create inspirational spaces that can be visualized in a domestic environment. And I think even if you look at the town square, I could visualize that in anybody's garden. You could sink the part of the garden and you could put that water feature in there. You could put some benches in there. You could even do that cloistered blue cloistered yes. court that we've got there. What I love is whenever I've been there, there are always people sitting on the benches in the, the town square. That's what's different. And I think a lot of people are sitting everywhere. I saw people sitting in the classical garden taking selfies mm. the other day and, and really having a ball. People are comfortable in the gardens because they don't feel as though they're stepping off of a safe place. They're not stepping off of the public path into a garden that they're not supposed to be in. They can't help but be in the garden because there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. Also, there's one entrance and exit. So when you walk into the gardens, you have to go through the gardens. And when you come back again, you're not walking out and exit on the other side. You're staying in the gardens. And when you come out, you're seeing the gardens from a different viewpoint because you're coming in from the other side as well. So that's keeping people in the gardens. And it's, and I think they're loving being in there. Mm. And they're loving that there's no policeman in the gardens. There's no garden police saying, wow, you can't step in the show gardens. It's a, it's a no-touch garden. It's a view-only garden. It's not a view-only garden. You could even sit in the contemporary roof space. There's a table and chair no, there. That's Enjoy where I was going to get because yeah. it's really lovely that um, looking at you come into the gardens into the the main central really formal garden then off to your right hand side you have what was gone before which would have been your rolling fields of lavender with um, these kind of hedges which are like and there's a zip that goes up the middle of it which is just really beautifully done with cobbles and then you go through to the other side and there's a, a, a Paris um, view although I'm not going to tell them but I want somebody to get hold of us and let us know if they've spotted what I spot because I just stood there and I thought I'm trying to work out where I'm standing to see this view apart from um, you know, on the balcony of this particular garden and in fact I, I did some pictures there and everybody thought that I was in Paris so that's how good it is it's like a really amazing optical illusion that has been set up here. I really enjoy that modern space. It's bringing in vertical gardening. It's giving you a, it's, it's more like a, a conservatory feel rather than an actual rooftop because yeah, it's we're enclosed. Calling it, we're calling it conservatory. It is a conservatory. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can sit in there and there's water, there's interplay of water, there's greenery around you. You're looking out over the rooftops of Paris. It's just really, I mean, where did that idea come from? It's a crazy notion. Sometimes you say, where did the idea come from? And we talk about unconscious design, and I can honestly tell you I don't know. I was honestly just sketching one night. and that It's all that red just, wine that you drink, Michael, that French wine well that you're be, drinking. It could well be, and it, it does help with the creative process. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the bottom line is, and, and the, that whole concept of a water wall, it came from me. I was looking at a nature program, and I saw this waterfall, and I thought, how do you modernize that? How do you stylize it and mm. turn it into something that's made of angular granite? And we came up with the idea of putting all these long pots together in three rows at different heights. And the water just pulls over and it just works so well. And we've got glass baubles in there that could be kitsch, but they just aren't. You know, they just, they look fantastic. I would tell Ansia in some of them and just empty other ones. Mm. A huge, huge a new take, if you like, on synthetic lawn and how you can use it creatively. Instead of just, you know, people always say, which one should I use? I say, I don't know, use them both. <laughs> you know, if, if you like them both, use them both. And we've done that. 
So we've created candy stripes on the walls and we've created checkerboards on the floor. And I had a child asking me, well, not really a child, a teenager asking me, how did you cut it like that um, into those neat squares? Almost as though it was one type of grass and we sort of had to cut out the squares after yeah. it had been laid. So, you know, once again, we're creating interest and people are asking interesting questions. It's just showing people. And how big is that space, Melanie? I mean, you've seen it. It's tiny. It's like, yeah, it's about what, three by three. Yeah, it's tiny. So people that say, I've got this tiny space and, and I, I don't know what to do with it. There's not much you can do in a space like it. And I think mm. there's a huge amount you can do. Oh, no, listen, like having it. coming out of the uh, exhibition world, trust me, I know exactly what you can do in a three by three space because that's your normal size for um, all the stands that are happening. So I've always worked within that kind of about two and a half meter tall by three by three. That's which a is, good which space is almost to work what you're in. looking at. It's almost what yeah. you're looking and, and here's the thing. What we decided and, and what you learn over time is the way to create the illusion of more space is to enclose it. Mm. Now, that sounds counterintuitive when you think about it. You know, why would you enclose it? Don't you want to see all these massive views and things? And the, the answer is no. If you create all these peekaboo spaces and you have to walk around a wall to go and see what's inside of it, it's an enigmatic field. It creates that sense of, I have to go and be present to see this garden. I can't just stand here and look at it from where I am. Mm. And, and I think that's what we've done quite successfully this year. I've seen people walk into those gardens and they've been in every single one of the gardens. And not one of them did they just stand and peek around the corner at and then move on. They felt the need to walk into the garden and experience it. No, I've been doing selfies off the balcony. <laughs> I can say the balcony because, of course, Paris is in the background. And that's why I said right at the beginning is that we are in Paris and we are, you know, having a whole French flair and French kind of um, immersion in a way. And it does feel like that. And it's actually quite easy to get the feel if you go and have a look at these gardens. I mean, if you wanted to do something like that, that this is what show gardens are about. It's a way of getting other people's creativity to stimulate you so you can see what you can do in your space. Yeah, you know, many things are an illusion and this is what we've done this year. We've created many illusions and I think they've been successful illusions. The, the one you're talking about that everybody gasps at when they get there is this, you know, you see this French skyline. Mm. And when you walk into the space, there's this honest feeling that you're higher than what you think you are. You're not as high as you think you are. You know, you Michael, s- what have you been growing in that garden? <laughs> you basically are. Come on, <laughs> no, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, it's legal now. <laughs> no, only if you grow no. it at home. <laughs> no, I haven't. And been, not more than I three haven't kilograms. been growing any funny stuff. Okay. No wixie fags. <laughs> but when you stand in the garden, you actually get the feeling that you're standing on, on a high space looking down. And mm. it's just an optical illusion. And it's just saying to people, you know, think beyond of just the garden, think of the walls you have in those have been opportunities and all we did was we just got this graphic and it's not something that you can't do everybody can do it Mm. just this graphic it's a beautiful print of the Parisian skyline but it's put so there's lots of sky on it yes and when you stand in this garden you almost feel yourself looking down at this graphic and you it, it does create that sense that you are higher um than what you are you're three bricks off the ground actually mm. And, it, and, and we've done a lot of conning. We, we did a, a graphic as well in the Provence Garden, which gives it a huge sense of depth. It, mm. look, it makes it look much bigger than what it is. And so, so these are lessons you can take into your garden. If you've got a small space, how can I make it look bigger? How can I create the illusion that it's bigger? In many, pla- in many cases, of course, we know that there are tricks to make a place look smaller. But because we had this garden space that we had this year, we, we really did have to do a lot of illusion creating, and, and I think successfully. Yeah, but we know that people's space availability these days is just getting smaller and smaller, which is why it's nice to have gardens that can be a complete thing in a small space and still give you a feeling of enclosure, but it's still a feeling of space, as you said. So have you had people saying, I want to take that garden and go and put it in my garden immediately? Will you come and do it? Yeah, no, we've had a lot of it already and people, we were just busy building the gardens and we had people pointing at product that we were putting up and when I say putting up, we put up stuff. And so we got very vertical this year. Mm. 
if you look at the the way you walk into the French Garden, we've stacked trellis double on top of each other. So it's created this feeling of huge height as you come into the garden. Yes. Sometimes it's not always a conscious thing. Mm. Sometimes you just feel it. And you know when it's not a conscious thing, you know you've won. You've designed something good because you don't want people to necessarily say, I know how you created the illusion that I'm in. They walk in there and say, wow, I feel great in this space. And they walk out again. You think, okay, that was successful. Mm. You know, if people consciously know that you've done the trick by doing so-and-so, then you, you kind of haven't created the magic, have you? Well, putting the, the modern Parisian French, uh, <laughs> the whole thing aside, the town square for me, it's, and especially with the green umbrellas up overhead, was that, that was inspired by some What movie was, was it? I can't remember. Video, there was the umbrellas. There was somebody that had to have all the umbrellas in the air. There's a picture. There's, there's a picture of somebody that with a lot of colored umbrellas um, in, in one of the spaces, and I don't really know. I can't remember. I know there's a history because I know that on, yeah. on The Amazing Race, they had to go to some place, I think, and they had to count how many different color umbrellas there were and they, they have like red, yellow, green and blue and they had to count all the blue ones. So I know it's a thing. Was yeah. it an art installation to begin with? It was an art installation. That's that's what inspired us to do it. Mm. But we did it with just green umbrellas for instance. It's beautiful. Lime green yeah. umbrellas floating in the sky above this little square. Yeah, and, and what, what it does is it also creates a proper ceiling on the town square without it being claustrophobic. Mm. And what we also did was we created what we call a cloistered court of affair or appeal where you walk into the thing and the, the, we, we've just stacked arches together and the arches are spaced away from the wall which creates the feeling that you're walking into a passage into a building somewhere and they've got plants in them so we've used space quite effectively in what we said four dimensions almost you know where you're starting to reach out and say well you know i didn't even expect to see that space created Mm. here and and that cloistered space doesn't have a lot of detail in it necessarily but it has a it has a lot of appeal a lot of people love that town square and as you say people sit in the town square and feel very comfortable i saw a gentleman eating a hot dog in there the other day well done for him. I had I saw a young couple sitting on the bench having a lovely moment d'amour, <laughs> as I like to say. Okay, so now the, the show gardens, when are they actually on until? Um, they'll be on until the end of May. Mm. Uh, we, traditionally, they are on until the end of May. They might extend it, um, mm. but at the moment, that's the target because, you know, they, should, they always look the best then. Yes, when they've grown in. Yeah, but they open officially and you can come in there and get a portfolio. And, uh, you know, if you catch me there, I am doing public walks as well. And I just sometimes just start doing them because I see people and that's who I am. And then I, I can tell you some more about the gardens and you can relate yourself to them you know, when I'm on site and ask me questions. Yeah, well, I think the portfolio, I mean, for me, I'm always excited when the portfolio comes out because the plans are in there and it's got a little story about it and the different plants that have been used, et cetera, et cetera. And this year you can just get them. Yeah, this year they've been handed out for free, which I think is the right thing to do. Mm. I think people come there to see the gardens and they always want to take a memento home. Mm. And and I think it's great that people are able to get this. And by the way, they're full of interesting articles and they're relevant for the whole of the next coming year, not just for the week. So if you want something in the gardening world, which is uh, du jeu, should we say gardening du jeu, well, then get along to Lifestyle Home Garden of uh, Rampark Red. Don't miss out on these gardens. They really are quite they make me feel happy. And I can't turn around and say, je suis très jolie, as I did make the mistake once, because that means I'm very beautiful. But I'd say, je suis très heureuse. And merci, monsieur. And oh, you're uh, more than welcome. <laughs> we'll see you again really soon. And for the rest of you, get out there. Enjoy your own garden as well. And above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. For show notes and more information about this episode, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash grounded. Grounded.